is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. You can call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That toll-free number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. It's Vincent. And Mark. And COVID-19 is still making headlines, but no one really knows what's going on with it, unfortunately. No, no one knows the numbers. No one knows how bad this could have been. It's all just speculation right. it's, in it's, every direction. It's like the 24-hour news paradigm has been broken by this virus. We are going to talk about a bunch of things that we really don't have facts on, and we're just going inund- to talk about nothing else and inundate you with these facts. So, A... With these speculations that we're calling facts. Right. And, you know, and then factoids incorrect truthy sounding things like a bunch of crap uh just over and over again don't forget the preachy stuff and the smarmy stuff and then all the rest like there has like there's not even facts going on here they they haven't even there's been haven't been facts in weeks they don't even interview experts they just interview people with titles that call them experts well, like if, if you've seen or not all, even all the that, health- or you know, fifteen-year-old girls who purport to be climate change experts. <laughs> she's not. She's not that old. Um, oh, well, right. I'm but they put her about, on the panel. I'm talking about via the health. She's ministers. not even fifteen. No, and she's being put on the CNN panel. Yeah, what a joke! It's ridiculous. How dare you? Yeah, probably. I love that. How dare you? How dare I? How dare you people put put your daughter on national television and expect her not, and then to scold people and expect her to not get bad news? Look, if I put my kid out there to tell everybody, I don't know, that taxes are theft or something clearly freaking obvious, obviously people are going to say things about my kid and they're not going to be very nice because they don't want to be told that. Well, the parents are at fault here because they were the ones who contributed to the traumatization of this child to the extent that she developed mental disorders and couldn't eat and had to be hospitalized and crap like that. Right. I mean, she's clearly coping with the trauma of having been told her entire life that the the environment is out to kill her thanks to previous generations. How dare you? I, I think a lot of it is show, though, because both her parents are involved in show business in one way or another. I think, like, yeah, I think her, either her mother's more famous than the father, but, uh, yeah, I mean, for, for both actors, and uh, she clearly has handlers, and so, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think she's as neurotic or crazy as um, what one might think. I think a lot of that is scripted. Could be either way. I don't know what the uh, the situation is with her, but I think it's um, I think it's wholly irresponsible to put your child out there uh, to push any kind of agenda. Agenda, and secondly, I think it's wholly irresponsible to take any kind of advice from a tween girl um, or boy or tween. Period. Well, they say on Discord.freetalklive.com that she's seventeen. Seventeen? Yeah. I thought she was much younger than that. Well. I... Could, well, doesn't she have some sort of de- developmental delay uh, sort of I- issue? So I think it could, that could contribute. To I that. haven't exactly, um, uh, you know, researched the the young lady, but there you go. Like, because I don't pay attention to what young she's seventeen years old, according to uh, Wikipedia. Here, yeah. I'm surprised. So, look seventeen Mark, to me. Looks you 12. have you have a new graph that you're very happy. Oh yeah, about. I'm, I'm excited about this one. <laughs> um, this and is obviously we can't show people the graph, but we can we can distill its essence for people. Yeah. So uh, I decided that I was sick of just taking the numbers that they throw at you. Seventeen more people died in you know Sarasota County or uh, New Hampshire or wherever they're going to say and whatever they're going to say. 
I mean, people are dying all the time in America. There's yeah. not a day that goes by that people don't die in America. I mean, people die. That's what humans do. Right. You know, this, it's, you get an expiration date. So I decided to look, look into it a little more, and there's something they call excess deaths. The Center for Disease Control puts out a number of deaths, and they, they're, they're estimating to some extent, but they're saying how many people died in a given week, and this chart uh, charts the deaths from January... 2017 till um, the week of May the 9th, week ending May 9th. So today is uh, May 20th for this particular show. So it's about two, almost two weeks old, going on two weeks old. Okay. And so the, so it's two graphs, basically a line graph and a bar graph. Yes. And the line is the acceptable number of deaths. Right. So that's basically anything below that is uh, not considered an excess death. Anything above it is considered an excess death. It moves up and down throughout the years, presumably for flu season. Sure. More people apparently die in um, somewhere around January than they do in any other month. I mean, you would expect that. I, I would. When it drops down to like negative 17 degrees, people kind of start dying. So in the first week of 2017, more people died. There was an excess, you know, excess death numbers. And then there was a little spike. And I think this might be SARS. Somebody could call in and say um, whether it is or not. At the beginning of end of 2017, beginning of 2018, there's a little spike. I thought SARS was like 2012 or something. I don't know. Maybe it's swine flu. What do I know? I'm just looking at the chart. I didn't look that part up. Uh, But I I certainly know that there's a disease called Corona. It could have been the rollout of 4G, Mark. (laughs) No, it wasn't. It Um, could have been. No, it couldn't have been. 4G has been around a lot longer than January of 2018. I remember 4G was rolled out when we basically when we moved here. Well, I guess it depends on where you live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It doesn't seem to have any relationship to 4G, just to let you know. (laughs) And then there's a spike. That doesn't mean the conspiracy theorists aren't out there right now hearing that and going, yes, it has to have been related to 4G. They can go look that up um, and find the chart that goes back that far. This one if does they not. look things up, they wouldn't be conspiracy theorists. <laughs> well, it's nice to have facts uh, to support your stuff. Anyway, there's a, there's a quite a quite a spike that happens over the course of the last six or seven weeks, seven weeks. and But it's – I wouldn't say – the the highest of the spike is any more than a quarter of the deaths that already occur every single week. Is it not represented numerically? I mean, can you not like measure the dif- distance? Are the lines not marked with like, hey, this is ten thousand more deaths or whatever? Right. So there are approximately in the week of April the eleventh, there are approximately eighteen thousand more deaths than would be considered the upper bound for the threshold of excess deaths. And this is the United States, or is this yes. worldwide? No place else counts. You know that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I, I forgot how the, to be an American for a moment. Right. It's, it's the CDC. So, yes, okay. it is the United States. And, so, 18,000 people in this one week in April right. died, and that was the worst of it. Yeah, and it's been steadily coming down, and by the looks of the numbers here, it would appear as though the week just passed because we haven't hit the last day of this week uh the week just passed will probably be um at or below the excess death chart so any anybody who's suggesting that there's been a bounce or anything else like that it is not borne out by the numbers well there's there's clearly been a bounce just whether or not that bounce is 
significant enough to warrant shutting down the economy. Well, I don't mean that there wasn't a spike, but what the oh, suggestion is is that okay, gotcha. now that we're going, Sorry. now that I had a, had uh, some hot wings at Brick House Pizza and Wings here in Keene, New Hampshire, we are all going to die, right? Like that's been the suggestion. Well, obviously. And I'm just saying, folks. <laughs> you having wings doomed us all. There, there ain't no, there's no <laughs> backing for this. You know, the states that didn't shut down as much don't seem to have any worse, really worse numbers. Sweden's doing just fine. In fact, it's a model for reopening. Maybe this is just over. This novel virus that we haven't been able to predict anything about at all. Maybe it's just gone. Maybe that's what Donald Trump was telling us from the beginning. I'm not saying he's some kind of sage. I'm just saying every virus, every disease has come and gone, and mostly we've never done anything about it because we haven't been able to. Well, I mean, we're still not able to. This notion that the social distancing, the masks, that any of this has actually done anything to curb the virus, this force of actual nature it's human hubris. Well, this it, thing is going to run. It its could course. have, but we don't have you don't have proof to make the statement one way or the other, right? Because sure. it's not scientific. We can't say you know here's our control group uh, that go out and do whatever they want, and here's our group that have to stay home. Well, we kind of can. Uh, Sweden came fairly close to being a control group that wasn't as locked down. The evidence tends to support that uh, the lockdown was pretty useless, but there's not a lot of evidence. Well, it succeeded in shattering the economy and putting something like 17% of Americans out of work. So what do you think? Was all of this worth it? 855-450-3733. Yeah! Talk about whatever is on your mind. That toll-free number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. It's Vincent. And Mark. And Bitcoin.com has launched a trading platform at local.bitcoin.com that allows you to buy or sell Bitcoin cash using dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, remittances, or meeting in person with cash. There are no ID requirements to sign up for and use the site. And all communications between buyers and sellers are encrypted, which means that you finally have access to a global trading platform that respects your privacy. Visit local.bitcoin.com to get started trading Bitcoin Cash. Again, that's local.bitcoin.com. Let's go to the phones. We've got Ridley calling uh, from New Hampshire, I think. Ridley, you're on Free Talk Live. Are you there? Check, check, Ridley. It's so city speaking, but there's no sound. Very strange. Sometimes you have to reset because the sound card, you like you have to restart the whole computer. Yeah, that hasn't been the goes, case in months, so. I know. So. Yeah, just saying. I don't know what's going on. It's just showing that he's speaking, but it's he is not hearing anything. So anyway, facts in regard to the coronavirus are in short supply, it would seem. However, facts on the second stimulus payment that is now being pushed through Congress because evidently one stimulus payment isn't enough. I'm just sort of glad that we're not seeing a UBI out of this yet. Well, that's what I think, um, you know, a large contingent of people that are sort of uh, anti freedom, you know, on this particular issue, pro lockdown, are really saying is this that, yeah, we think if we hold out. And profess to be scared enough that we can keep the free money a coming. 
Now, everybody I've talked to seems a little annoyed at at least one person in their life that is now making more money by staying home than they were by working. Uh, does, well, it's hard has, not everybody to be had this experience? by that. But know? have you had this experience? <laughs> have you heard of this per- Do you have this person in your life? I, I, I do not. I don't have bumps in my life. Right. That's the thing is, is I don't really have this, but I do talk to people and they're all like, yeah, my sister's uh, child is, uh, you know, or this, whatever the situation, my nephew, whoever, it, whomever it is, they're like, oh, yeah, I know somebody. They're making more money by staying home and I don't like it. And why would they? And I think that that's what it's coming down to is there's a certain contention to the population. It's like, I am really, really, really scared because I really like these checks. Well, I mean, let's let's be honest here. The problem isn't that people are staying home and making more money. The pe- The problem is that people are staying home and being paid by the government at cost to the taxpayers via inflation or through increased taxation, whatever. I could stay at home from my other job and make more money by doing so. But I don't do it. And that's and if I did choose to do it, no one would be upset about it. it would be, I hope this person is staying at home and making more money than being out in the productive workforce. Right. So it's because these people are living off the paychecks of the government and generally making more money than the people who are out there in the streets actually working jobs. That is the issue. In my experience. Right. But again, I don't know any of these people. Not personally. And those that I did know, I left the hell in Mississippi when I left because that's the kind of person that occupies a bulk of the state of Mississippi (laughs) is these people who want to live off unemployment and food stamps and crap like that. This is wastes of human life. Yeah, I haven't lived in uh, you know what I would call the deep south uh, ever in my life. I was I lived in you know Sarasota, Florida, which is farther south, just not deeper south. Right. And uh, but Melanie, who is from Louisiana on the show here, parroted basically what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it's very common there. Yeah. Well, so it's, not just, it's like that in Philadelphia too. I have a lot of family in the Philadelphia area, and. Uh, for you know some some relatives who have uh, like like um, I'm trying to I don't want to give too much away who have a manual labor businesses they can't get U.S. citizens to work for them because any of us in the Philadelphia area because uh, no one you know no one wants to bother to work and is it because they make more money by not working by living off of government benefits or whatever well when I was uh, when I was talking to a relative about this he he didn't make the distinction I, I he it, it could be but it also could just be that they'd rather take like 50 percent of what they could be making without doing anything um, I met a Spaniard in Roatan when I was there checking out a freedom project and this was just at a restaurant just you know going out to eat and talking to some guy. And he said, he's a businessman, and he said he won't do business in Puerto Rico because the people there are too entitled. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, they get all the American welfare. You've ruined those people. And I'm like, well, what do you mean by you? (laughs) But, um, you know, his his opinion. It sounds harsh to say, but the reality is that if if you feed the bears, you will get more bears. Uh, and it's well, I mean, the same amount of bears. Well, I guess there'd probably be more bears, but um, the, <laughs> you will get more bears in your yard. The reason that you don't put, you're not supposed to feed bears is the same reason you probably shouldn't be feeding humans. And, you know, just well, end I'm of fine story with that humans are organisms. They're animals that abide the same natural laws as everything else. If you feed them for free, they will get used to being fed for free and they won't know how to acquire food for themselves. No longer. Yeah. 
which is what's so bad about the UBI. And we may yet see one in the pipeline, but right now we're just looking at another stimulus package, another $1,200 check for the Americans. What is this going to accomplish? What was the last one spent on weed and video games? No, they say that. Well, the the claim was, uh, according to NPR, as I uh, heard it today, was is this these last checks have really truly been spent on things like, you know, rent and food, and it's probably because people can't go anywhere. See, I don't know how true that is. I I, I use mine to buy Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But of course, I wasn't behind on you know renting stuff in the first place, right? And you didn't uh, you didn't get to stay home a single day. In fact, you guys have been working full flat out the whole time. Yeah, well, that's yeah. a choice. I mean, I I don't have to. And, uh, agreed. I but, I get it. But so Congress just passed another. Well, sort of. One the House passed a bill that includes a second stimulus check, but Congress has two different chambers. Obviously, the Senate and the House, and the Senate the liars and the thieves. Yes. <laughs> The vipers and the snakes. <laughs> and the Senate has not yet agreed to pass another stimulus check, but but they will, because not doing so would be political suicide. And isn't it the case that every – no, it's every representative who's up every two years, right? Yes, the representatives, representatives up two years, senators two years. for six. Yeah. Okay, so the Senate – a third of the – two-thirds of the senators would be okay. It'll be interesting to see what happens there then. So, here's the deal. The House passed a $3 trillion stimulus relief, which might as well be $100 quadrillion. I mean, the number $3 trillion is as meaningless to me as the number 800,000 infinity. It's very, very, very large. Yeah, so <laughs> it's slightly larger than the previous one, but the other one was too large for a human being to comprehend in the first place. So, what does it matter? It's a great big number. It's called the HEROES Act. It does provide a second second stimulus check in addition to a whole lot of other things, including two hundred oh god, two hundred billion dollars in hazard pay for essential workers. Hazard pay. Hazard pay. For working presumably during COVID nineteen. Hazard pay for so for all of those Amazon workers out there who were all the heroes. Yeah, who were protesting because they wanted hazard pay. It looks like the the House of Representatives, for whatever unholy reason, wants to actually give that to them. Well, do you think you're entitled to hazard pay? 855-450-3733. This is free. The next generation wallet is coming from Divi. In just a few taps, you'll be able to send, earn, spend, and exchange digital money in seconds. Send money around the globe with only a swipe. Instantly exchange between Divi, Bitcoin, and Fiat right in the mobile app and withdraw directly to your bank account. Divi already offers the first one-tap solution for earning passive income with crypto. Multi-tiered masternodes allow everyone to partake in the network. Visit DiviProject.org. DiviProject.org. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. You can call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That toll-free number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. It's Vincent. And Mark. And we're talking about the next stimulus check that people can probably begin expecting because I just don't see it as politically feasible that the Senate is going to deny this. I mean, if it includes the payroll tax cuts that Donald Trump wants, then it's sure to be approved by Donald Trump. So why would the Senate even 
But I mean, the Senate, the the whole governmental thing is designed to be broken, you know, and to enrich each other at our expense. So uh, it feels like the first checks came as sort of uh, the same way George Bush's checks came, like, hey, vote for me. Aren't I awesome? Um, And Donald Trump, it seems like he's just trying to get, you know, buy himself some votes, right? And democracy in action. Right. Now it seems like the Democrats are like, oh, God, he, how did he use our money to buy votes for him? <sighs> I got an idea. Let's give away more money. And then Trump either says it's a great idea or a bad idea. I don't know which. And then, you know, the, hunt, the, the country is split down the middle again. I, 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 I don't have any answers for this. I, definitely- I will say that I am much happier giving money away to poor people than I am to b- rich bankers. Yes. <laughs> well, let's just go ahead and say that. Because talk about the banks the put other. it on deposit back in the day um, during to the 2009, 2008 thing. They just put the money on de- uh, deposit and shored up their, their accounts with it. Whereas the poor people spend it immediately. You know, it's gone. 70% of Americans, 70% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. So when yeah, you give wh- them money, it just disappears. Poof. And you prefer this. That's what we call the velocity of money. And when your money is based on nothing, which the United States dollar is, uh-huh. I know, full faith and credit of the United States, Navy, and blah, 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 whatever. Um, Their ability to make and drop bombs, yeah, essentially. Wh- whatever the, 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 the lie that we've been told is. Um, when your money is based on nothing, then you need velocity. If your money is based on thrift, then it needs to be value-backed. And this is... Right. What we see here is more than 100 years of having a currency basically backed by nothing, certainly yeah. <laughs> since 1970, depending on how you want to say it. Like the last cord was cut in 1970. Sure. I, st- I still don't see why you would prefer velocity. I, I would prefer the I mean, obviously in the long run it's bad for the poor people to you know save USD, but it's better for them to buy stocks or Bitcoin or gold or whatever. Okay, so you're talking about what it's uh, good for the individual. It's good for the individual to understand the system in which they are, right? Agreed, yes. (laughs) And when you understand that system, you can use that system to your advantage. I can't make the United States Federal Reserve suddenly become a responsible organization. I can't make the presidency or the Senate or the, uh, the House of Representatives responsible. I can, however, recognize irresponsibility and its results and just make some guesses based on that. And so I've made some reasonably good guesses in life. And what I would recommend is take your check, buy Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or one of these, one of the top tier cryptos out there and I would, I would say, hope for the best. I would say Bitcoin Cash. Well, that's, I, I, you know, I, Bitcoin Cash hasn't been performing very recently quite as well as Bitcoin, but that doesn't mean that it's not ready to poise to tomorrow skyrocket. I don't know. Right. Well, the thing is quantity, right? And if they're buying a cryptocurrency for a long-term investment, then more of that cryptocurrency is better than less. I mean, twelve hundred dollars in Bitcoin gets you like point zero yeah, one of much. a Bitcoin, yeah. but it gets you like point one. five point one Bitcoin Cash or something along those lines. Right. I would try to get say you know if I was if I was trying to put things if I had nothing uh, none of these things and trying to put things away I'd try to get 
10 Bitcoin cash, um, one Bitcoin. Uh, like, well, I just try to save these things. Well, if you have nothing, them. you can't afford one Bitcoin, for sure. No, but... You, you, you could you do, can, like, one Monero, one Dash, one Bitcoin cash, maybe. But you can begin saving... You can begin putting away... Yeah. Point zero five uh, bitcoins every week or whatever the amount is See, the, until you the have the problem the appears one. to be that so many people don't understand that they don't have to buy a whole bitcoin to get started in they don't they, you can right. buy a very small amount you can get of hundred bitcoin generally you can buy twenty dollars worth of bitcoin yeah at any given moment that's correct I wish more people understood that so the second stimulus check according to Forbes. I'm surprised they made it to the third point of their five points that people need to know before they got into this. But how much is the second stimulus check and when will I get it? As things stand today, the second stimulus check is for $1,200, the same amount as the first one. Individuals would get $1,200 while married couples who filed joint tax returns would get $2,400, you know, the, the same. Remember, you'll only get this money if the Senate signs on with the House to provide more stimulus checks. The economy is reeling, and the Senate knows it, yes, because the Senate stood by and did nothing while the executive branches throughout the United States caused it. Senate Leader Mitch McConnell and other Senate Republicans already agree that another stimulus relief package is necessary. They just want more time to get it done, and they are communicating that they will start work on it in June, several weeks away. I don't see it happening. What, what, the check's not going to happen or what? I don't see it happening in a way that benefits anyone for sure. I mean, if the Senate wants to start looking into it, start working on it in June, I, I, I think the virus is probably going to be long passed over by then. But and, the, and I realize well, not this, for them. I well, realize we're already in the 20th of May, though, the, you know. The problem uh, with the virus isn't the people that are dying from it. It's what it did to the economy. And it's this is going to be it's going to be very tough on a lot of poor people. To me... Although I, um, although I don't think it's a good idea to feed the bears, we were using the analogy of uh, you know in parks they tell you not to feed the bears. I don't think it's a good time to start being responsible with money when things are the for the government to start being responsible when things are bad, right? It start it's good time to tell everybody to start being responsible when things are good. Right. So the ant and the grasshopper, you know, the old story. So the ant is working all throughout the summer, working hard. And the grasshopper comes up and he says, why don't you dance and play with me? Because I'm having a great time. And the ant's like, I've got to get ready for winter. You're going to be cold and hungry come winter if you don't do your thing. And the ant spoke to the grasshopper and said, you know, gave him a warning ahead of time. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there will be another pandemic. Ladies and gentlemen, there will be another economic crash. Ladies and gentlemen, powerful and rich people at the top of the economic ladder will crap down upon you again. It's, this isn't the last time. You need to be prepared for it. And if you're not prepared for it, then the crap shall fall upon thee. Right. Like that's <laughs> that is how it people should be warned as opposed to, oh, the crap's here. Well, we're going to pull all the rug out from underneath you, all these uh, social welfare programs that everybody's come to love up till now is what I think. Well, I would argue that this is the best time to do it. You know, the, the best time to stop feeding the bear is when the bear is going to have to get out there and fend for itself or die. 
And I, I know how harsh that sounds because we're not talking about bears. We're talking about people. But at the same time, I just can't. Well, I can out. tell you this. Nobody's going to starve in America. The churches, the I'm social sure groups. People starve every day. Where? Somebody start. Maybe babies. Okay. Maybe kids that they have locked in cellars or something. And the homeless? Nobody is starving in America. The homeless are obese. I, I don't think well, that's, ever... a, that's that's while we're doing relatively well or at least OK in this country. I mean, I went to every every week or every month I go to the grocery store. I notice there's more and more uh, shortages and things and not not just of like stuff from my uh, international trade. I'm talking about beef. I'm talking about yep. certain vegetables. And that's because people aren't working. You know, the, the supply chain has been uh, messed up. Uh, that doesn't really have to do about uh, plenty. But yes. Um, yeah, I agreed. There's going to be some problems. But I I don't know. I mean. It, I, you might be right, Arya. Maybe. Well, the supply problem is caused by the government collapse. And, I mean, that, that's a different issue because it doesn't matter if people have money or not if there's no food to buy. There's Eight, always going to be food to buy. It's just how much the pricing is going to be. Excellent point. <laughs> 855-450-3733. This is free. Talk radio that you control. You can call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That toll-free number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. It's Vincent. And Mark. And the next generation wallet is coming from Divi. In just a few taps, you'll be able to spend, earn, store, and exchange digital money in seconds. Divi says you'll be able to send money around the globe in only a swipe. And instantly exchange between Divi, Bitcoin, and Fiat right in the mobile app and withdraw directly to your bank account. But there's no need to wait. Divi already offers the first one-tap solution for earning passive income with their multi-tiered masternodes, which allow anyone to earn by supporting the Divi network. When the new wallet launches because of Divi's relationship with Western Union, Divi will be in 200 countries, including the United States. You can learn more at diviproject.org. That's diviproject.org. And one of the things about this whole lockdown that's bothered me the most is the psychological impact of it. And keeping in mind that the the best example of this that I've yet to see was a friend of mine playing a game of Go Fish against her cat while (laughs) while in lockdown and and losing the game, (laughs) by the way. But, you know, how, how starved for human interaction and human contact do you have to be to be like, I'm going to play. She also played tic-tac-toe with the same cat by drawing out the board and putting cat treats under nine cups and he would smack one and that would be where he would get his ex. So, I mean, talk high levels of boredom here and just cabin fever in general. So it's certainly. I haven't not- had that kind of time this whole <laughs> event. Like, I mean, you know. Like, You're not out of work because of it. My, the, the type of person who's I used work to- from home. I mean, my wife think I, thinks I've been out of work for, for two decades now. Yes, but you, so you're not the type of person who is accustomed to dedicating 40 hours a week of your life to not being at home. No, I am the kind of person who has been dealing with somebody who tells them what to do constantly so I can duck and dodge a little better than the average person. But she's still finding (laughs) things for me to do even right now. And then when we're not doing something, let's go out for a walk. Get your pudgy butt out in the road, you know. Okay. 
So yes, you're not you're not accustomed to being a person who goes out and works for forty hours a week. Got it. So I, so it's di- I've been it's putting different. sixty hours a week in, but all right. But you're not going out to this it's true thing and being away from the house and interacting with other human beings for I think I don't know a third of your week. I think it's people in their twenties. That's what I think. Okay. I don't know. What other psychological side effects are a result of COVID-19, Vincent? Oh, much worse ones than boredom, unfortunately. This is from uh, Mises.org, talking about the uh, severe health, mental health effects that the uh, lockdown is having. Uh, It starts out, the science is clear that having meaningful human interactions is an inherent biological need that all people share. But in the name of, quote, public health, people are prohibited from freely and peaceably congregating. There's no church, no non-essential shopping, no going into work for many, no girls' night out, no going to the gym, no visiting friends, no family get-togethers, nothing. No sacrifice could be too great in the age of COVID, per the experts. Well, that's true if you're a good noodle. But if you're not a good noodle, you can just kind of do whatever you want anyway. There's no bars, though. I mean, you can't just make the bars be open. We haven't needed the bars. We've been hanging out at Who's people's we? houses and in right. Central Square. My circle of friends just, who like hanging out. Yeah. And we said it I keep thinking I, and had I would invite people to my house for drinks on a Friday night, but then like Friday night happens, and I'm like, oh, no. Well, it, it's probably definitely a, a people in their 20s thing, Mark. Yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely right. It's Mark thinking about inviting his non-existent friends. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, it, it continues here now getting to the um, extensive study has for years correlated social isolation with poor mental health. The need for connection is as real now as it's ever been since the U.S. had already been long suffer uh, long suffered from a loneliness crisis. The stark and sudden crop up of stay at home orders made this immediately much worse as as doctors Betty Pfeifferbaum and Carol Knorr found, quote, a recent review of psychological sequelae in samples of quarantine people and of healthcare providers revealed numerous emotional outcomes including stress depression irritability insomnia fear confusion anger frustration boredom and stigma associated with quarantine some of which persisted after the quarantine was lifted i know you were talking about this being like a 20s thing i mean even before the coronavirus plenty of people i knew in college uh suffered through all of these things <laughs> right this is just the state of people in their 20s. I mean, and, and you know, it's a point well, it's where also people... also the state would... of people in isolation. Yes. I mean, isolation, there, there's a reason it's considered a form of torture. I, I, I would agree with people. you, sure. And... and a lot of these people are effectively isolated with their only interactions with other human beings being videos and Zoom and crap yeah. like that. It's... Not real human interactions. It's an issue I haven't been by myself this entire time. Like the entire time the COVID-19 thing has gone on, I have been in the house with at least one person. And I've gone from different location to different location. Either I'm in, you know, Saipan, then we went to my mother's house, then I went to New Hampshire, then I went back to my mother's house, and then uh, drove the whole fam damnly up the the East Coast to here, back to, you know, back home. I, I understand that, but most people need human interactions with more than like one other person i think that it's helpful but i think one other person like it's the the numbers diminish as you move through like you definitely need interaction and if it's with one person oh that's pretty good if it's with two people like you know down to whatever the numbers are sure i I don't know that i would i would even find one person to be sufficient over the course of what 
two and a half months. How long have we been doing this now? Like how long weeks, has yeah. the rest of the United States, the, the good noodles, how long have they been quarantined now? Oh, it must have been since, uh, since March. Yeah, mid-March. Well, that sucks for them. They should stop taking the government seriously. So what else are we looking at in terms of psychological damage caused by the lockdowns, oh, caused by the government? Yes, yes. Thank you for making that distinction. Um, uh, self-harm. Uh, an Irish study found that self-harm rate to have increased across the population following the Great Recession, with men between ages of 25 and 44 impacted the most. Although this is by far outside the usual age and sex demographic for self-harm, it may be explained by heightened that stress-working aged men felt... in their roles as primary breadwinners. A, a study in Britain after the crash also noted spike in self-harm associated particularly with areas seeing greater amounts of job loss. In an economy with people out of work more than ever before, that's of considerable alarm. Well, wasn't it the case during the um, the Great Depression that people were flinging themselves out of windows, that young businessmen were flinging themselves out of windows? I think that's because they went broke is the uh, story. Yeah, that's and it's kind of what's happening here. Well, in, in in this case, it's not it's it's not like suddenly overnight all the shares that you have your entire life savings is worthless. It's like a slow bleed where you know week one you're you're um, you're furloughed, then you're laid off, and then you try and find work, then the checks stop coming in, then you know your wife leaves you, then you can't you lose your car and your house, and then you blow your brains out or kill yourself. Uh, in this case, alcohol is probably slow. involved too. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Well, that was a nice and. Cheery statement there, Vincent. Thank you. <laughs> well, no, it's not a statement. I mean, you know, I mean, this is just it's uh, it's an unfortunate series of events. It is, and the government can't save people from it. I mean, when it's ultimately the government that created the problem, and I wish more people understood that because everyone's like, "Oh, COVID nineteen, the coronavirus caused the the economic collapse," and that's just nonsense. The government did this. The government did this to you. Don't you think? Okay, so let's let's play. At this point, we're just playing a game, right? Because sure. obviously, whatever happened happened. But I want you to sort of go back to mid March when this all begins, and then suddenly politicians gain a spine and they say things, you know, and they make some sense. They say things like, "It's the government's job to protect you from invasion, not the government's job to protect you from a pandemic." Ladies and well, gentlemen, see, they can't even protect us from an invasion because the very next word out of their mouth says, and we're being invaded by an invisible enemy. Well, I understand that. Uh, they, they, they're calling this a war in some cases or were. But ladies and gentlemen, here's some precautions you can take. You can wear a mask. You can wash your hands more. You can do a variety of things. We recommend this, but we're not doing anything. Don't you think... That especially the kind of you know, raw terror that we, that people, some people were experiencing at that time. Well, because of the government telling them to be afraid. No, I don't think it's entirely that. I think that some people are just, there are hypochondriacs in this world. Sure, but the, the, not the, 72% of Americans. The, this is the year of the hypochondriac. They suddenly rose to godlike status. Somebody overfed them and they... They're boom, not hypochondriac. Boom, boom. No, there's a very big difference between thinking you have every disease you've ever heard of and just being deathly terrified about this disease that the media and governments have told you persistently to be terrified of. And we saw the same thing with uh, Greta Thunberg, who's just yeah. terrified of global warming because she's been told her entire life to be terrified of it. And then all this year, well, all we've heard I would is say that we that need to be terrified of COVID-19. Some people would have shut down some businesses, and certainly some people would have stopped going out. I don't know what the percentages or anything else is, but it's mostly the, the government having locked us down that caused this. I don't think any businesses would have shut down. They don't shut down for the flu, nor should they.
If you're attacked by a bear, a dog will throw himself into the mouth of a bear to save you. Dogs are dogs. They pour out their love onto you. Before long, you can't live without them. I have a chocolate cocker spaniel named Lady and a blackmouth cur. He's about 120 pounds, and his name is Arlo. My little cocker, her coat's as soft as a stuffed animal. They're both real soft coats, and my dogs don't have any health problems because they're eating what they need to eat. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dynavite is like pouring a multivitamin right onto their food. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa, the digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. We'll be scooping our Dynavite onto the food, then squirting the liquor chops and the fish oil. They start salivating. Dynavite is nutrition. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. It's a lot of responsibility owning a dog. I get my Dynavite at D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. You can call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That toll-free number is 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's Vincent. And Mark. And we're talking about the psychological impacts of the government lockdowns as they have been revealing themselves. Obviously, the suicide rate was spiking. I don't know to what extent it spiked versus what's normal. What What is the acceptable number of deaths what is the excess deaths up from suicide because of the government lockdowns well i don't have any numbers as far as uh you know what the deaths are caused by i mean i'm presuming (laughs) that these deaths are caused by covid they could very well have been caused by the suicides from being locked up i don't know I don't I, I doubt very many of them are actually caused by suicides because for so many people, I mean, we're only, what, two and a half months into this and the light, we seem to be seeing a light at the end of the tunnel, some sort of end and reopening up of the economy. So I imagine most, pe- most people who made it through the first week was like, OK, this isn't nearly as devastating or bad as we expected it to be, at least as far as the psychological impact of being stuck at home. But that doesn't mean there's no psychological impact whatsoever, as we're seeing. Depression is on the rise. Um, boredom, obviously, on the rise. Anxiety. Alcohol uh, purchasing is skyrocketing here. They have some interesting right. figures for the week ending April 25th. Well, there's nothing else to do. The, uh, you know, the, the lefties want to get rid of guns because some people use them to kill themselves. I'll bet you alcohol is involved in far more deaths than guns. Uh, not that I'm advocating getting rid of it. Even far more suicides. It would depend on I the meant, uh, suicides. Excuse me. Thank it you. It would depend on the demographic. I mean, most women don't kill themselves with guns. That's predominantly a male thing. Yeah. So, but they're wi- pr- probably drunk when they do it. I, I would imagine. Yeah. But the women probably not so much. They're probably taking getting drunk and then taking pills. They're probably on Xanax. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think they're getting drunk. I don't know though. I'm just speculating. So. Uh, year over year, <laughs> trade off, uh, tr- off trade alcohol sales were up twenty six point four percent, down from a high of fifty five percent in March when the lockdowns began. Online sales have exploded, recently growing in excess of five hundred percent. But that's not all, because of people stocking up. The data now shows 
that more people have been buying more alcohol of a higher proof and at a more frequent pace. That means that both consumption and sales have faced a significant uptick. Even as the rate of sales growth has slowly decreased in mid-April, year-over-year increases have remained quite high. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. It doesn't necessarily mean that consumption is up. I, realistically, I'm drinking about the same amount of wine that I was prior to the lockdown that hasn't actually affected me beyond taking away my ability to go out and do things. But most of it's just sitting at home, stockpiled in the same way that people are stockpiling toilet paper and ammunition and food. You don't know? want to run out, huh? No. Why, why would I want to run out of that? I suppose, but their argument that consumption is up is because people would make more frequent purchases, which, I mean, it doesn't say if it'd be of the same thing, but I mean, if someone is every week buying a, a bottle of Jack Daniels number seven black, I think that, you know, I, I don't think we're just, it's like with Bitcoin, right? You buy a little bit each week. I don't think people do have alcohol. I mean, I would, I think it's safe to assume that they're going through that bottle once a week. I mean, just in that one example. Um, I hope they're not. Uh, well, especially since Alcoholics Anonymous uh, and other addiction resources haven't been deemed essential, and uh, Zoom calls don't really, they don't have like the same impact as being right. in there with a person. There's not the social pressure in the Zoom call. You can just put your name up and, you know, I don't know. I mean, I just don't think it's as effective. I, I hope it is. I hope people can use Zoom calls to break their addiction, addictive cycles, but I bet you can't. There's some HIPAA, <laughs> there's some HIPAA issues with uh with using these online calls as well i think they do have some some forms of hipaa compliance um online uh it was on- online video conferencing uh continues on here saying hard drug use is also on the rise uh, research indicates that even in periods of decreased income, drug use remains constant throughout the present crisis. Addicts have remained addicts and still need their fix, despite recent disruptions in the meth and heroin supply chains. Uh, other addictive behaviors seem to also be on the rise. Tobacco sales, for one, have absolutely boomed. Industry giant uh, Altria reported... I could use a good Q1. cigar right now, frankly. I could use a bowl after the interaction that we just had. <laughs> and poor Vince is trying to just keep a straight face while... Uh, poker, online gambling is also rising, right? People forget that's an addiction. Um, and well, so, it yeah. can be an addiction. You know, all of these things can be addictions. But, I mean, so can playing World of Warcraft or whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just when when does it go from being a hobby or something you enjoy to being something that's destroying your life that you refuse to stop? And I think definitely that's um, how things go with uh, people addicted to gambling, right? Losing their houses. A lot of Someone attempted to um, buy Bitcoin from me today, and they were like, hey, I want to buy some Bitcoin from you because I want to go gamble online. I immediately, obviously, was like, uh, yeah, no, I'm not selling you anything, and I would recommend that you contact other sellers and not tell them why you want to purchase the Bitcoin. Even though online gambling is largely legal in most states, and I think it's legal here in New Hampshire, it's not, it's not worth the risk, right? Meaning, and, and the same kind of it's what, not, what do you mean the risk? It's not worth people not, shouldn't gamble or. Um, well, I mean, there's all kinds of legal liabilities that could become problematic if I sold someone. I mean, it's like selling someone Bitcoin, knowing they're going to go and buy heroin with it. Right. I you would say this: if you're going to buy cryptocurrency, and you just desperately have to tell the person that you're buying it from some reason that you're going to buy it. Tell them that you're buying it to hold it in the hopes that it becomes more valuable. Because if you tell them anything else, like, 
I'm going to buy untracked guns on the internet, or I'm going to buy uh, drugs on the internet, or I'm going to gamble on the internet. Then you've just made them a party to your crime and made it so they're not going to sell. And to make it a little more clear, you're a cop if you tell somebody why you're buying cryptocurrency. That's it. Yeah. I I agree with that reasoning. Yeah. So the only thing that you can get somebody for, um, you know, the only way that you can get somebody in trouble uh, for selling cryptocurrency is if they know why you're buying it and that reason is illegal. Yeah, so just don't tell them. Yes. I mean, that that would be my advice to people. I, I wouldn't even tell them, oh, I'm buying it as an investment, whatever. It's not it's my really business. No, it's really not their business, no. no. And, I, you know, even if you're just like, I want to buy it because I want to go down to the local burger place that takes Bitcoin, I still wouldn't do it. Because that same idiot's going to come back two weeks later and say, oh, yeah, I want to buy some heroin with this Bitcoin. And I just don't want to have anything to do with it. That's how they entrap people. You sell them Bitcoin five or six times, and then they go, oh, yeah, well, I'm using this one for heroin. You don't know that I didn't use the last one for heroin. Well, I, I, so I don't think you're responsible. I'm, I'm not your attorney, all right? Sure. But I wouldn't say that you're responsible. If they say they're going to go down and buy a hamburger with it, you haven't done anything wrong. Imagine it like you're a bank teller. If I go up to my bank teller and I tell them that I'm getting some money out so that I can go have lunch, they're going to be like, well, enjoy yourself. Toodaloo. If I tell them I'm going to get uh, $20 out to buy a crack rock, they're going to be like, You're, I'm not giving you anything. So that's what it comes down to. They yeah. can't, you can't make the bank teller a part of your, your criminality and don't do it to your Bitcoin seller either. Good advice. So in terms of consequences for how they have no avenue for dealing with the rise in alcoholism or the lack of AA or the rise of online gambling or any of these other things, because all of these Reformers Anonymous programs, whatever they're called, are shut down and inaccessible to them in the first place, even if they're not just happening over Zoom, which, as you pointed out, Mark, lacks the social pressure. Yeah. So what are these people supposed to do as they're cooped up in their homes, except dig themselves deeper and deeper into their substance abuse. Wait for the next check. And sadly, it seems that one is going to be on the way with the government working out the details, well, parts of the government working out the details for another $1,200 check that people will presumably use to buy more wine and online gambling and World of Warcraft and whatever else people are buying to get themselves through this ridiculous government lockdown because the government can't just say oh yeah you know what we were wrong everyone should just reopen what do you think 855-450-3733 that's 855-450-FREE or and if it's not down it seems to be down use the discord server at discord.freetalklive.com Talk Live, talk radio that you control. You can call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That toll-free number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. It's Vincent. And Mark. And do you want more businesses accepting Bitcoin Cash and Dash? Well, now with AnyPay, you earn a passive income for every purchase at those businesses. So finally, you have a financial incentive to spread Bitcoin Cash and Dash 
You make it happen. You receive the rewards. Just download the AnyPay Cash Register app and add your cryptocurrency wallet addresses. Then install it at a real-life business and tell us what you did at AnyPayInc.com. That's AnyPayInc.com. Commissions are instant. There's no waiting for weeks or months or to hit a certain threshold or any of that crap to receive your payout. As soon as the purchase is made in Bitcoin Cash or Dash, you get your payout. You get your commission. Again, that's AnyPayInc.com. Definitely would recommend checking it out. So, Mark, we were discussing before the show about some probably not reliable information. I've seen that suggested that the flu deaths this year were almost twice as high as the COVID-19 deaths from this year. Right. I don't believe that no, that number exactly, but um, I will go... And I want to I want to bring something out that kind of changed for me during this. I had a general idea that flu deaths in this country were somewhere between 30 and 60,000 people per year. And I never questioned that number. Just, you know, like I'll question a lot of numbers out there. But for some reason, I didn't question that number. Okay. And I'm going to read an excerpt of a blog here from Scientific American. All right. To be clear, folks. This is not an article from Scientific American, meaning it has not had as much rigorous uh, you know, checking or anything like that. This is a blog from a doctor All right. writing in for Scientific American. Did here. he wear a white coat as he wrote the article? Because if so, then it's totally facts and we're good to go. It's a he that wrote it and uh, it's a doctor. That's all I can tell you. And I'm not going to you know, read the first part of it because it's a bunch of rambling about Trump and flu and all that stuff because the liberals are seriously upset that Trump used the term flu to describe COVID-19. And they're not going to be over, the, over that uh, for mm, ever. So <laughs> anyway, forget that crap. It doesn't make a difference. Anyway, uh, what he says here is that... As an attending physician, I want to go back just a little bit further. When reports about the novel coronavirus, SARS, COV-2, that's when you know they're serious. It's when they start getting the official name in. Began circulating earlier this year, and questions um, were being raised about the illness that it causes, COVID-19. So COVID-19 is the illness. SARS-CoV-2 is the uh, virus name. Like I care. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I was trying very hard not to just roll my eyes. Right. <laughs> it occurred to me that in four years of emergency medicine residency and over three and a half years as an attending physician, I had almost never seen anyone die of the flu. I could only remember one tragic pediatric case. Based on the CDC numbers, though, I should have seen many, many more. In 2018, over 46,000 Americans died from opioid overdoses. Over 36,000 died in traffic accidents. Nearly 40,000 died from gun violence. I see those deaths all the time. Was I alone in noticing this discrepancy? I decided to call colleagues around. No, he said he's in geriatrics, right? Which is no. Car- okay. I don't know why I thought you said that. Emergency. Okay. So geriatrics is caring for... Caring for older people, right? Yeah, geriatrics is probably where you do see flu deaths. <laughs> okay. So, I decided to call colleagues around the country who work in other emergency departments and in intensive care units and ask a simple question. How many patients could they remember dying from the flu? Most of the physicians I surveyed couldn't remember a single one over their careers. Some said they recalled a few. All of them seemed to be having the same light bulb moment I had already experienced. 
For too long, we have blindly accepted a statistic that does not match our clinical experience. The 25,000 to 69,000 numbers that Trump cited uh, do not represent counted flu deaths per year. They are estimates that the CDC produces by multiplying the number of flu death counts reported by various coefficients produced throughout the complicated uh, algorithms. Who cares what the reason for bad information is? It's just bad information. These coefficients are based on assumptions of how many cases, hospitalizations, and deaths they believe went unreported. In the last six flu seasons, the CDC's reported number of actual confirmed flu deaths, that is, counting flu deaths that were uh, that are currently counting deaths from the coronavirus, has ranged from 3,400, as opposed to th- uh, th- 34,000, to 15,000, which is far lower than the numbers commonly repeated by public officials and even public health experts. Well, isn't the idea here that if an old lady is going to die over, of the flu, she's probably going to, like, die in her sleep? Right. I mean, like something always is kind of the catalyst for the death that was going to happen anyway. I mean, there's very few people that just sort of uh, expire, right? There's something that happened. My great grandmother, who was 96 years old. No one just drops dead, right? It does happen. Well, they die of something. Something kills them. Right. And sometimes it's the flu, right? (laughs) You know? And okay. But I think that the CDC's flu numbers need a good looking at because when I walked into all of this, I believed like so many did that, Hey, Corona is just another virus. Just like the flu, the flu kills 60,000 Americans a year, but the flu doesn't kill 60,000, 60,000 Americans a year from what these doctors. Well, I guess the question would be do 60,000 Americans die a year. The number uh, is uh, probably about 60,000 Americans die a week. Between fifty and 60,000 Americans die per week, and they die of something. And usually sure. that thing involves stuff they've put in their mouth over time. So you're talking about, uh, you know, diabetes from eating too much candy. Okay. Um, uh, that's a weird way to phrase all of that, but okay, keep uh, going. Uh, no, you can control when you die based on the stuff you put in your mouth. Heart okay. attacks. Which isn't all. Well, I mean, yeah, but you can get heart right? from smoking, like COPD. Right, smoking, COPD. Um, you know, it's, it's the cigarettes. It's... Um, a, you know, whatever the variety is of it is, you know, it's the things you put in your mouth. Yeah. Says the guy who eats those heart attack burgers from Five Guys. Oh, God, they're delicious. <laughs> so good. Hey, look, you got to die of something. So the so the little chart that you had at the beginning of the show that you were so, so proud of, it's probably skewed by these CDC estimates, right? No, so those we- are those are deaths that they've been counting. Those people actually died, whereas the CDC was just guessing that people who did die, what they died of when it came to those flu numbers. Okay. They're not imaginary bodies. What do we ask, real bodies. like the coroners and the people who do the autopsies and things like that? Because they would probably be better sources of information about what killed people than, you know, emergency room doctors. Um, I, they, this guy is writing a blog from his experience as an emergency room and a uh, doctor and an attending physician. Yeah. And you would think that somebody who has that level of experience over the course of several years and then talks to a bunch of people who have many more years would be able to find... I don't know, more cases of people dying of the flu? If in fact, as many, I mean, because as many people, more people died of the flu supposedly as died from gun deaths or car wrecks or, you know, a whole variety of things. But the doctors see that stuff all the time. They don't see flu deaths. 
Well, I'm not a doctor, so I don't have the firsthand experience. Uh, it's fascinating if true, but I just think that it's probably more likely that the flu deaths just aren't worth remembering. 855-450-37. Bitcoin.com has launched a trading platform at local.bitcoin.com, allowing you to buy or sell Bitcoin cash via dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, remittances, or meeting in person with cash. There are no ID requirements to sign up for and use the site, and all communications between buyers and sellers are encrypted. Finally, a global trading platform that respects your privacy. Visit local.bitcoin.com to get started trading Bitcoin cash. Local.bitcoin.com. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. You can call in to talk about whatever is on your mind. That toll-free number is 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's been set. And Mark. And evidently, uh, the NFL uh, is having an issue with one of its players, two of its players, in fact. An unnamed NFL player has filed a lawsuit against United Airlines, claiming that the company failed to properly react to his reporting of sexual assault and harassment during a flight from Los Angeles to Newark, New Jersey on February the 10th. Mark, I see, I see you. Yeah. Okay. I, see, I see you looking like you're trying to restrain yourself or it's just like you're processing the idiocy that I just read. I'm just uh, <laughs> I, I'm trying to imagine if he was wearing those tight pants that they were on the football field. <laughs> Well, before we get too deeply into it, let's go to the phones. We've got Etars calling via Discord, discord.freetalklive.com. Etars, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, I just wanted to, uh, one, uh, before I get to my main point, uh, so Zoom is HIPAA compliant, so you can talk about medical stuff on on it um, as long as you go through the right hoops. Uh, but the main reason I'm calling is because uh, I understand that uh, Mark was reading the article about the ER doctor, but uh, I think you're missing the point in that the, an ER doctor is not normally going to see someone die of the flu because if um, they're in respiratory distress, they'll probably get admitted to the hospital and get sent to the ICU. So, like, any, the, the, an ER doesn't function as a caretaking facility. Um, so if a patient comes in and they've got a problem, um, it's either not serious en- enough and they discharge the patient or it's serious. Uh, we seem to have lost you. However, I believe uh, Mark said during the article that the doctor claims to have called uh, doctors, some of whom worked in intensive care. Yeah, that was a um, he was a he was an ER doctor and a an attending physician. So part of this is sort of a, uh, a I guess ad hominem, the opposite of an ad hominem. I'm taking Scientific American uh, Scientific American's hosting of this particular blog to some extent as an endorsement of what they're saying. Um, secondly, the doctor here claims to be both an I'm looking for it. Um, about the uh, yeah, now I'm trying to scan through the article in the middle of the show and find out the spot where I was as far as uh, what. Well, uh, so can you guys hear me now? Yep, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, so I mean, the reason I, I bring that up is because uh, my wife is an ER doctor as well, and so she spends a lot of time um, well, where she'll see patients, um, and she 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 will only find out what happens to them after they get admitted. 
um, issue follows up. So a lot of times, like you'll see someone in, in uh, and I can only assume it's the way with a with flu case. Um, usually it's a fight to get them admitted because no one wants to, to uh, take on that. As long as they have insurance, uh, no one wants to, because if you have someone who shows up at the ER and they can't pay, and then you admit them to the hospital and they still can't pay, um, then it's a liability for the hospital. So usually yep. there's pressure to, to discharge the patient as quickly as possible. So it says here, um, I decided to call colleagues around the country who work in other emergency departments and in intensive care units to ask a simple question. How many patients could they remember dying from the flu? So here's an ICU. I mean, apparently ICU doctors. I don't know. I mean, what you've got here is doctors asking the question as to whether or not the CDC's numbers on people who die every year of the flu are accurate or not. And my presumption is that doctors are better people to be asking these questions than, I don't know, nationally syndicated radio talk show hosts. Right. Yeah. Like, well, I, or presidents. That, I mean, I, like my wife's seen plenty of people die of, of COVID uh, yes. over the past couple of months. I um, imagine. And, but the thing is, the the, uh, the the awkward thing is that, I mean, there's a lot of caveats to the statement you made. Um, and so the thing is that, like, he called people that work in. And, and so the thing is that uh, it, it's really awkward because, like, I mean, and I, I've even seen the, the opposite of his argument in that uh, for COVID in that uh, the first death in my area, um, my wife treated the patient and she knew she died of a stroke. Um, but they yeah. reported it as a COVID death because right. she was COVID positive. Right. And that's the thing is, is that how many, you know, if I if I get hit by a bus tomorrow and then they found COVID antibodies, would I be counted as a COVID death? Definitely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Really? If you if you got hit by a bus, but because you tested positive for COVID, you, you really believe that some doctor somewhere would put down the cause of death. I hear the numbers are significantly higher. The dollars, uh, you know, the recompense from the feds, significantly higher. Especially if they yeah. use a ventilator. Well, yeah, where, no, I, I would where say are the medical like, schools I, I, that are taking away these people's diplomas for doing this crap? No, I have an example of some, like someone who died of a stroke and they reported it as a COVID death. And it was reported as the first death of COVID in the county. I'm not an I'm not a medical expert. I will say that COVID cannot cause you to get hit by a bus. Can COVID cause you to have a stroke? Seems I don't, more I don't believable. Know. It seems more be- believable. Yeah. Yes. Well, I knew someone who had a really bad cold and they're taking a shower, and because you know the the head fog and everything, they just like passed out, crashed through the uh, the door, and uh, died by bleeding to death. So. You know, COVID I mean, death. Being, yeah, I mean, oh, well, this was before the whole coronavirus thing. So being sick can impair uh, motor coordination. Well, and if your fever is bad enough, certainly you could wander out into the streets and get hit by a bus. It sounds like we need to re- redo all the deaths over the last 10 weeks, and they all need to be COVID deaths. Well, Etars, thank you so much for the call. I'm, I'm not sure what a good solution would be. I would like to see, you know, if you find out that a doctor who graduated from your school with, the, with a PhD with the, or MD, MD, whatever, yeah, is falsifying information and putting down people who were hit and killed by buses as COVID-19 deaths, you, you should you should take away that person's diploma. Take away their accreditation. They're not going to do that. Why not? They've already been paid. What do they care? Because it's all part of the big AMA union scam thing. It sounds like They decide how many doctors mark. are going to be doctors um, before they, you know, they, when they let them in. Like there's a there's a a forced bottleneck on the amount of kids who can be doctors, grow up to be doctors. So um, 
know, right, which is why a that. solution to the health care problems in the United States is to remove the requirements that are imposed by the government on behalf of the AMA and other institutions like that. Sure, but they're thoroughly entrenched with the government and not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. which is the issue. So, yeah. so the contention here is that we, we do have these deaths being misreported, right? And I'm willing to accept that to an extent. I, I don't believe that the average human being is so unethical that they could be bought so easily by putting down a, a bus death as COVID-19. Okay. Maybe I'm naive, Mark. I'm not claiming that it's I, – I, I, I'll bet you there are some fake numbers on there. But what we yes. can see from, by the article that I did earlier this evening is, is that the amount of deaths uh, in the highest week of April – and this is the highest amount of deaths over a week uh, – just touched under – 80,000, let's see, it's 70,000 deaths. It has to be higher than that. 73,951 deaths was the peak. The The number for the upper limit of uh, excess deaths, so meaning basically what's considered a normal amount of deaths for that week, was 57,000. So 70, almost 74,000 versus 57,000. It wasn't that many people died extra during the worst week. 20, Which is about what 000? I would expect from, from what has largely been considered, e- even by people who bought into it initially, to be just a nothing burger. It's it, Well, it's it's a nothing burger unless uh, you're in, trapped in a nursing home and can't leave. Sure. You know? well, I mean, wasn't it the governor of New York who put people in that position, though? Yep, yeah, certainly the I government mean, did that part. But there's you know, these there's people dying in nursing homes in Florida, too. And Well, there are people dying everywhere every day. It was primarily nursing homes, at least in Quebec and Pennsylvania now. Right. I don't know. I mean, you know, call me. I've been looking at these numbers for some time. Call me callous if I say that somebody who died, I don't know, seven weeks, seven months early, not some kind of global catastrophe. Yeah, I would imagine that's just sort of expected. I mean, as we've been saying all night, people die. And the elderly people die more frequently than younger people. And all, all people have an expiration date. So whether or not they died seven weeks early or even seven months early because of COVID-19 is kind of irrelevant. They were going to die anyway, as are we all. 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control, and you can call in to talk about whatever is on your mind. That toll-free number is 855-450-3733, and with you tonight, it's Aria. And it's Vincent. And Mark. So these two football players got on a jet headed from one side of the country to the other, and according to a report by Bleacher Report on Wednesday, the players are just listed as John Doe 1 and John Doe 2. They said that they made four complaints against a female passenger sitting in their row for, quote, unwanted sexual advances before flight attendants moved her somewhere else. And evidently, it wasn't because they made a fifth complaint. It was because she, like, physically attacked them. So Who? The The football players. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The report also stated that the female passenger was intoxicated and was taking prescription pills. The player Mm. said that the woman wasn't moved until she ripped off his face mask 
which was worn to protect him against the coronavirus. Wow. And grabbed his parts of his body. Okay. So definitely sexual assault at this yep. point. Yep. Uh, sexual harassment prior to that, and then it becomes sexual assault. What amazes me is that the, these two football players had that sort of restraint in the first. I thought that was one of the main appeals of becoming like a football player or a rock star or something like that is the groupies, right? Well, it's not like every groupie is uh, made the same, you know? Okay. Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> Some so, of them might be traps. <laughs> Indeed, they might. <laughs> uh, I am I think I'd be personally more concerned about, uh, you know, some random person going after my face mask than, uh, you know, grabbing my crotch, although that could certainly hurt. Uh, but, uh, you know, I got pants on. I'll be okay. Yeah, I guess. Uh, the lawsuit, well, she ripped off their face mask. What if she had ripped off their pants? Well, you mean like torn the pants from their bodies? Sure. Well, then that would clearly be a problem. How am I going to get out of the airport without pants? (laughs) So the lawsuit was filed in the Superior Court of California of the county. Good God, why do they keep going? So United Airlines told Fox in a statement that the safety and well-being of our customers is always our top priority. In this instance, the customer involved was moved to a different seat. Because litigation is now pending, we're unable to provide further comment. But what concerns me about this is that these these two guys had to make four complaints about sexual harassment before the airline did anything about it. And the airline didn't even do anything about it because of their complaints, but because the woman actually physically assaulted them and sexually assaulted them. So the airline let this get to that point because they weren't taking the men's claim of sexual harassment seriously. Yeah, it sounds like, um, you know, this is probably a world where men's complaints of sexual harassment are probably not taken as seriously as women. I would have to say, for one, okay, that makes a certain amount of sense to me, because men can probably, in many cases, defend themselves, um, as opposed to women who perhaps cannot. You would especially expect that with NFL players, right? And and that's what, but I'm saying that's sort of the dark alley scenario, right? Like in a dark alley, if a 90 pound woman hops out unarmed at me, saying, "I'm going to get your pants," first off, you know, <laughs> right? Because that happens all the time to me, uh, right? I should be. What able dark to, alleys are you going down? And where I'm not do going I down any, them? right? <laughs> I don't go out when it's dark. I just drive home the show so um yeah i mean in that case i should be able to defend myself but if you're on an airplane you can't defend yourself as if it doesn't matter how big of a hulking dude you are you can't defend yourself because you can't just reach over and bash the lady in the face well it's kind of frowned upon to do that in the dark alley as well like if a woman just jumps out and says i'm gonna rip off your pants or whatever she hasn't really done anything at that point to warrant being punched in the face um, if somebody telegraphs to you that they are going to do harm to you, you are Def- allowed to use physical force to defend yourself, I believe, from a moral standpoint. If, so if, if, if it was it's a credible threat, yes. Well you could just also run away too or leave, just leave the area. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, you can, and that's always a good idea to back away from a problem rather than create than than exacerbating it. But that doesn't just because it's a good idea doesn't mean that it's the idea that you must do. And also, Aria, to your point, God made man; Sam Colt made them equal. I don't know if Miss ninety ninety pound uh, dark alley woman has a gun on her. Uh, so, in order to 
you know, uh, handle a threat as quickly as possible, maybe that's the choice I take. Now, consider that I was robbed in Nevada and I just gave by a woman, a four foot eleven woman who had snatched sure. my glasses off my face on the sidewalk. Uh, and I just gave her 40 bucks to get my uh, glasses back because I figured beating her to a pulp <laughs> would probably be bad. It would probably have caused more problems than That's the what 40 I'm thinking. Yeah. You know, here's the $42, lady. I mean, th- this would have been you getting arrested for beating up a, f- a tourist gets arrested for beating up four foot 11 homeless woman. Hooker. Homeless, hooker. Even, even I don't worse. think she's homeless. It, it would not have ended well for you. No. So, I mean. And, you know, that plays back into this whole concept that women are automatically victims and men can't be victimized, right? Well, I, I, I did call for help of, you know, like, this lady has stolen my glasses. And people just looked at me, you know, like I had clearly done something to the hooker. Just pay the hooker, pal. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I guess I just have to pay the hooker. Well, it, it was Nevada, so people probably did assume that you just owed her money. But, I mean, I, I I wouldn't want to be seen on the streets of you know Nevada, presumably Vegas, giving a hooker $40 either. <laughs> so there was I no called my wife there. immediately after this, and I'm like, look, I'm going to tell you this story that happened. <laughs> I promise this is totally true. There's nothing to read into here, but I was just walking down the street. I was just robbed by a 4'11 hooker. And that's all that happened. Nobody believes that story when I tell it again. I'm not sure I believe it now that I've thought about it. I believed it until you said hooker. Yeah, that's that's really what throws it off. I don't know for sure whether she was a hooker. I'm just guessing her actual occupation as opposed to person who snatches glasses off people's faces. Um, but what I did was I saw her coming in a car and she crossed the median like in areas with like fences and stuff, you know, so, you know, like she was very angry at whoever was in the car and then she comes out and as I'm rolling my suitcase behind me with my uh, sound equipment in it, she sticks her little, uh, you know, painted toes beneath my uh, wheel and then complains to me that her, that I chipped her toenail. Now, I don't know when the toenail got chipped, but it was chipped. Um, that much I can say. Okay, so she put her foot there intentionally? Yes. Okay. And, um, and you chipped her toenail? Somehow I was supposed to compensate her for that. And I'm okay. like, I've got places to go. It's not my fault you stuck your foot underneath my uh, suitcase. You said this? Yeah. Okay. And I don't know, words were exchanged along the way, and I'm like, I'm not giving you anything, go away. Kept telling her these sorts of things. Um, She attempted to, you know, reach for my face and stuff, so I was, you know, keeping her hands away from me. I didn't want to be in a fight. I didn't want my, I'm wearing a suit. I don't want to be messed up. Right. Particularly. Well, this is why you were targeted, because you were wearing a suit and you were carrying your suitcase behind you and sound equipment, stuff like that. You probably looked like a relatively wealthy. Somebody who had forty two dollars in their pocket. Yeah, Yeah. certainly. (laughs) We also like I mean, luckily, the bums in Keene aren't as audacious as you I imagine they would be in a more uh, populated place like Nevada. But uh, I think another mistake you made is you gave her attention. Right. Instead of just like ignoring her and continue to walk the more attention you give. Oh, she pushed me from behind. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I did do what you suggested, which was attempting to ignore her. And she she like gave my shoulder a shove from behind to get my attention. There was really no way to ignore her at that point. I felt like. How do you ignore someone after you ran over their toe with your suitcase, though? Well, was it an accident, or didn't you say she ran up? I actually didn't know what had happened. Like uh, my clearly that was a pebble. 
Right. Well, yeah, I kind of looked down um, to both sides, but I didn't see anybody or anything. So okay. I kept, and, and I didn't sure. stop. I just kept rolling. I was in a hurry. Yeah. So. Well, I yeah, guess this is a go. difference in oh, a difference in culture. Me, I guess I at least with family from Philly and like from their experience, you know, you roll over someone or even bump into someone, they complain, "Hey, get after you know, get away! What? You know, <laughs> stop wasting my time! Get away from me!" Well, she was very resilient. Um, actually, the security guards told her to go to hell and uh, got her out of there. She ran around the corner and sort of met me as I was doing one of those the crosswalks over the the street, at you know, and. I was certainly ignoring her and telling her to get lost. It was when she grabs the glasses off my face that, um, you know, I felt like, well, suddenly I have to pay attention to her. Okay. Yeah. And she, she wanted 40 bucks or whatever? Or is that just like, has she, she wanted the money it? that I had. Okay. So and if you so, had had 200 bucks, she would have taken all of that. Yeah. She likely. probably wouldn't have gotten $200 um, out of me. The glasses were probably $400, $600, somewhere in that range. I don't think I'd have given her 200 for them. Jeez. But I saw the problem was solvable with $42, so I solved the problem with $42. You've gotten soft in your old age. I would have taken her spleen. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, mean, I don't want whatever disease she's got. She is a hooker, you know. Just pay the prostitute next time, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> this could all have been averted. <laughs> 855-450-3733. This is free. I have a chocolate cocker spaniel named Lady and a blackmouth cur. And it's a lot of responsibility owning a dog. My dogs don't have any health problems because they're eating what they need to eat. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dynavite is like pouring a multivitamin right onto their food. We'll be scooping our Dynavite and then squirting the liquor chops and the fish oil. They start salivating. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite at D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Whatever is on your mind, that toll-free number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. It's Vincent. And Mark. And according to Decrypt.co, the price of Bitcoin has dropped $200 in the last 30 minutes, which is not unusual at all, over worries that pseudonymous, well, I, I would say he's anonymous at this point, Bitcoin inventor Satoshi Nakamoto may have moved some of his coins Bitcoin fell to a low of ninety five fifty. Well, pseudonymous means that you have taken a pseudonym to keep your name okay. hidden. So he is pseudonymous. Okay. That's not generally the way. Not it's seemingly used. not anonymous. Okay. I I, Fake I understood yeah. it to mean like pseudo anonymous. Yeah, not that. That makes more sense. Okay. Earlier today, fifty Bitcoin mined in the first month of Bitcoin's existence were moved as Decrypt reported, worth $50,000. And allegedly, only three people at the time were even aware of Bitcoin's existence. Right. Which And one of them's dead. Yes, but his wife, in theory, could have, moved could have access to the funds. Since Satoshi Nakamoto was one of the few Bitcoin miners at the time, one of three Bitcoin miners at the time, it has been suggested that these coins were his. However... While some of the wallets, while some wallets are known to be Satoshi's, the status of this wallet was less than certain. In fact, researchers argue that the wallet was not one of Satoshi's. According to a study by independent researcher and cryptographer Sergio Lerner, a separate miner 
mined 1,814,400 Bitcoin in its early days. Wow. Yeah, that's staggering. Yeah. Just thinking about how much that's actually worth in U.S. dollars as and of today. Who, and whoever has that has never cashed it in. A million Bitcoin. That's just bizarre, man. Worth $10,000 a piece. So, you know, what is the math on that? My brain can't process that many zeros that quickly. That's four extra zeros added to a million. So, is that 10 billion? I think so. Oh, I, I, I oh, don't know. It's a lot of money. And the, the, this person, none of these people have ever touched it until today. He has since published an updated study which focuses on the uh, nonce of Bitcoin, of the Bitcoin block, as further evidence. Regardless, speculation has about it on 10 Twitter. Billion. 10 billion. And they're just not touching it. That's insane. There's just one month. That's just one month after the first Bitcoin block was mined. There are not a lot of people who could have done this. Perhaps close associates of Satoshi. Well Alert, which tracks cryptocurrency movements, wrote 40 Bitcoin transferred from possible Satoshi-owned wallet to an unknown wallet. Actually, as I understand it, it was sort of put through a mixer, wasn't it? And they it just distributed to dozens of wallets. Right. There's no way to know yeah. Yeah, what happened to it. So, you know, that's what you should do with a uh, Genesis wallet. Oh, absolutely. So it, that's not the only interesting part about this, though. For those who remember, Craig Wright claims to be Satoshi Nakamoto. So this is a guy who could be a huckster, most certainly is a maniac, um, <laughs> and likely is a huckster. I mean, I believe he is. But he has sort of fashioned himself as Satoshi Nakamoto. I don't know if he's come right out and right out and right out and said, I am Satoshi Nakamoto, but he's done everything but. I'm almost positive he he literally claims to be Satoshi. Right, he's but not. I'm, I'm not. Oh, of course he's not. <laughs> he's a loony. He, he's, worse than, he's worse than the Nibiru people, because at least the Nibiru people say that for school, you know, that the uh, the thing that the planet's going to come and crash. They don't just allude. To, oh, it might happen. Are these you the people who killed book? themselves to get onto the spaceship? No, they're, no, no, they're still alive. Okay. Those were the Heaven's Gate people. All right. I don't, I don't know what Vincent's talking about. Well, Planet X. It co- it, all right. Well, they, I, I believe this call this person who is behind was banned from coast to coast AM because all of these predictions just failed to come. So, <laughs> oh, was this that's that Her- that's like, is this the Harold Kemp guy? Uh, I, I don't know the name. I, I just no. I, just I think he was Heaven's Gate as well. Harold um, Kemp. But I'm not up on me, my conspiracy theories. But it reminds me of Craig Wright just because all these times it said, "Oh, finally he's going to try and prove it. He's Satoshi. Finally he's going to prove." And then it's just he keeps coming up with excuses, and he still expects people to believe him. So I don't know. Maybe maybe there are a certain amount of people who actually legitimately believe that he's oh, yeah, there are. Nakamoto. So that's why he's keeping this grift on for he's as long as he has. Well, he's kind of screwed now because he's. Involved in some kind of lawsuit where he submitted a number of Bitcoin addresses to the court saying that I'm the owner of these wallet addresses, but I no longer have access to them because he, I'm an was, incompetent boob. Is this wallet, was this wallet contain those 50 Bitcoins? One of the, the wallet that moved the 50 Bitcoins was included in the list that he submitted to the court of well, wallets that he owned. So now it has been moved. Yes. He claimed that it was his to the court. Yes. And, um, and he also claimed to the court that he, he did not have access to it. He didn't have access to it. So he either moved it, which he didn't, um, and has lied to the court about not having access, or he didn't move it and lied to the court about him having at one point had access to it. Yes. One way or the other, he 
he has committed perjury, yeah. provably. Either it's not the worst of perjury. He just can come out and say, "Oh yeah, I got that wallet address wrong. Sorry." Well, the problem was that it was like the first 68 public wallet addresses that were used that he submitted to the court, five of which were already proven not to have belonged to Satoshi Nakamoto in the first right. place. Sure. And, but he claims they were That's because he's a kook and yes. a not even very good researcher to boot. Yeah, so now he's just completely screwed, and I'm interested to see how that plays out for him. I mean, he asked— I don't think the court's going to do anything about it. I mean, they, you know, they, it's not like they're looking for their fair share of loonies right now. If he says that he was the one who moved the coins, then he could be held in contempt of court and sentenced for perjury. Among the thousands of filings in his trial, there are numerous sworn affidavits where he claims he had no way of accessing the coins because there was some courier involved who had a lot of money and they paid him to hold it. It's, it's so completely ridiculous. However, if he denies having moved the coins, it would mean that the address belongs to someone else. Saying that someone had stolen the private keys would most likely be a very thin defense that probably wouldn't stand up in court. Or, you know, saying that someone hacked the private keys, while technically, while theoretically possible, is not practical. No. There's no way someone hacked this. So we haven't heard from him, but as of now, several prominent analysts claim that while these are most likely not coins that have been mined by Satoshi Nakamoto, it is the first time since 2017 that funds dormant for more than 10 years have been moved. Yeah, I would say it's exciting for that. It's like it's like the supermoon or whatever, you know. Oh, wow, that's cool. So I'm what happened in 2017? Was that the year that it went up to $20,000 and it just fell off a cliff? Yeah, yes. that's correct. Okay, so December I 2017 was the, uh, the, the big month. So this is the first time since then that that has happened. Fascinating. Should be... Interesting to see how this plays out for both Bitcoin and for Craig Wright, who claims to be Satoshi Nakamoto. I want to see just confirmation that Satoshi Nakamoto is still alive by a move of you know one Satoshi of Bitcoin to some other address. Yeah, I've always liked the idea that it was that uh, guy that had that weird disease that he couldn't, that was in like an electric wheelchair, kind of like a Stephen Hawking kind of character. Yeah. Uh, I always liked the idea that it was him because he died. You know, yeah. and that solves the problem. I certainly think it's a bad idea for whoever Satoshi Nakamoto is, if this person is still alive, to come and say, oh, yeah, I'm Satoshi. It's a bad idea for countless reasons. Well, I mean, it's not like it's hurt Craig Wright much. You know, Well, that's because no one believes him. His claim isn't credible. Well, the Australian government did believe him enough to, say, to try to tax him on the... Well, <laughs> the Australian <laughs> government... In the South Park video game, censored a bunch of things and actually pasted koalas on there. So they're not exactly a government that I can take it's seriously. For worse in Canada in many aspects. So oh, there you go. Yeah. So governments around the world, some of them at least take him seriously. By the way, Canada freer than the United States, according to the Heritage Foundation. Yeah, well, according to the Koch brothers or whatever BS, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I, that's why I don't trust those. those you don't believe it anymore? Absolutely not. Huh. Absolutely. So who is the Heritage that? Foundation, that so or are they the people who do the? Who it's a conservative they? organization. Controlled that, opposition, okay. as far as I'm concerned. BS crap like that that they're putting out. Canadian here. I, I think you got him worked up. Yeah, he's got to he's, he's get, get him some Molson quick. Kill themselves. <laughs> what do you think about the Heritage Foundation? Are your thoughts about it as strong as Vincent's? 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-FREE, as in free Coke Brothers money.
This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. You can call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That toll-free number is 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's Vincent. And Mark. And communities issue their own currencies backed by Intercoin. They can choose to inflate the circulating supply of their own money to spend on internal projects, or they can choose to tax certain transactions and remove money from circulation. These activities deterministically change the exchange rate of the community's local money to Intercoin without affecting the other communities or the rest of the Intercoin ecosystem. Each community can choose its own policies and openly program them into their coins. Each individual can choose what coins to get and how to spend them with upfront knowledge of what they're getting into. Intercoin is attempting to regain some of our freedoms that are threatened on the internet and in the real world. And we think that's important here on Free Talk Live. So important that we accepted $40,000 worth of Intercoin tokens from Intercoin Inc. for advertising. If you think that freedom is important too, check out Intercoin at intercoin.org. You can invest in this project and potentially make big gains or just be involved and perhaps shape its future. That's intercoin.org, I-N-T-E-R coin.org. Now, one of the things that I remember perhaps more vividly than most people because I, I'm from the South where a lot of people hunt and it's uh, it's their lifestyle to go out there at three o'clock in the morning, set up in the woods, do nothing for the next four hours, but holding a 22. And when the DHS bought, uh, what was it like millions of rounds of billions 20, of dollars worth of uh, ammunition. Okay. They bought a ton of 22 ammunition and the result of that continues. Curious as to why? I mean, what, what are they going to do with twenty-two rounds? What, what are they going to do with anything, man? It's, but it's a the twenty-two government. round isn't a. I mean, that's not a. It's not a military round. It's not a, um, a self-defense round. It's nothing to do with shooting sort of people. Although more people are killed by twenty-twos than most other, but that's because they're a cheap gun and you know Saturday Night Special kind of situation, or and they can be used as assassinations because they're not particularly loud. Well, I think the hypothesis was that the government wanted to buy them in order to keep the masses of people from buying them because most that, of the people did have twenty-twos sitting around in their house. That would be what I would guess. It's well, yeah, it's uh, to drive up a price because people would use twenty-two for small game. It's perfect for survival stuff. It's you know yep. small game. Game hunting and teaching people how to use it for plinking, and if the ammunition is you know more expensive than it used to be, then I guess they they try. It's like a disincentive for people to learn how to use guns. I think, and that's the last thing the government wants is people knowing how the sheeple knowing how to use guns. Right. If you want to prepare to have currency for when the big one hits, right the the preppers big one, then you want to have liquor and twenty twos. 22 longs because that that means that you can put put a round in a rifle and defend your homestead or uh, go out and you know kill something that you can eat yeah so I remember it by the way and they, they if you off- don't do much shooting uh, this is it's the most fun to shoot the 22 round uh, it's just it you know there's no kick to it everybody can enjoy it it's not too loud you should wear your protection no matter what you're shooting but the 22 most fun to shoot yeah, well, the fallout from this continues today with people still having a difficult time finding 22 ammunition. Uh, unless it's on the day that, yeah, and most of these people are just going to, you know, Sportsman Warehouse or whatever to try to buy it. So yeah. if, it's not, if it's not the day it was delivered, they're unable to find it. And we're seeing something similar now 
with the government purchasing things in order or what what are they buying vincent it's so the you know the government many people might not know this right when people talk about swat teams or law enforcement they think of like fbi doj but many other departments of government have their own swat teams i believe the department Department of of education Education, has (laughs) it's so weird like why does the doe have a swat team i think it's to get around the fact that they're not allowed to have a standing army right the government's not allowed to have a standing army during peacetime so in order to get around that they have they turn law enforcement into their own army because they have the same type of uh, ballistics gear they have the same type of weapons they have you know armored vehicles uh yeah yeah i mean what was it It was in um in texas somewhere there was a sniper who was shooting at cops and you know how they they didn't storm the building with her swat gear they they attached a pipe bomb to a robot and blew him up so the um yeah the police have and also as we saw in keen they have a lot of um, former military gear that was used in the middle east and many cops served as soldiers in the military in the middle east so yeah i mean we we basically there is a standing army here in the country it's called the police it's called the law enforcement apparatus in this case it's the veterans affairs police buying riot gear the federal government is ramping up new purchases of riot gear citing the virus pandemic comes at a time when the economy has plunged into recession and high unemployment has led to increased anxieties across the country the Intercept says a recent order made by the Department of Veterans Affairs shows, quote, disposable cuffs, gas masks, ballistic helmets, and riot gloves, along with law enforcement protective equipment, were bought for federal police assigned to guard Virginia or, excuse me, VA facilities. The order was quickly fulfilled under a special authorization, quote, in response to a COVID-19 outbreak. So I wonder if they're getting a certain amount of their expenses subsidized even further by the government as long as they write down for COVID-19. So this is just an <laughs> excuse for them to waste their budget and buy things? Well, that's one thing that pretty much everybody who's worked with the feds, and I don't know what it's like on a state level. I'm sure we can get some people who've worked for state level employees to call in and, about this. But many people, especially the military, um, but you know, many departments will just have this sort of the end of the fiscal year spending thing. Sure. They'll throw away all the it furniture. In private industry as well. It, it does it. Yeah. Why would they do that? <laughs> well, because this department has fifty thousand dollars per year that they can spend in excess of you know whatever they're going to get provided for them. So they don't want their budget reduced either. So toward the end of the year, we started getting all sorts of stupid IT calls. That they could have easily handled. They just didn't want to because this allowed them to pay us and allowed them to keep their budget at $50,000. Well, there you go. <laughs> I I mean, they're really... not the ones who were you know, losing the money. It was right. their company. Right. I don't really understand why a, uh, you know, I guess the company's just too big to deal with it. But that's that's what happens when it gets when whatever the organization is gets too big. Um, we had uh, the the Green Beret, Silver Dave, was on this show and he'd talk about these spend ops is what they were called. And basically the um, you know, the berets would be called in to some other lower groups, uh, you know, unit to basically just burn through their ammunition um, in a short period of time so that, you know, I don't know why exactly they weren't letting the quartermasters or whatever shoot their ammunition. I don't know. But the berets would come in and, brrr, you know, run it through real quick. Maybe it's because they had the automatic weapons. I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. I'm, in like I'm, two I'm, days, yeah. you know, like it's all spent. And they call it a spin up. I mean, it sounds about right. I mean, they have to keep the military industrial complex going and it needs to sell its guns and its bombs and its ammunition. And what better way to do that than to start a bunch of 
useless wars in the Middle East. And when that fails, just send in the Green Berets to shoot at the dirt. That's government in a nutshell. (laughs) So the Department of Education evidently has a SWAT team and the VA is buying riot gear and other materials. Presumably, we well, we don't know why. So I'm not going to presume. 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-FREE. As in Free Talk Live, what do you think? Should the Department of Education have a freaking SWAT team? Let us know. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farms, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and... And property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com. This is Free Talk Live, talk radio that you control. You can call in and talk about whatever is on your mind. That toll-free number is 855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Aria. It's Vincent. And Mark. And you can join liberty-minded volunteerists, anarchists, and libertarians from June the 29th until July the 5th for Fort Fest 2020 at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. You looking forward to it, Aria? Yeah. Why? I'm just asking. I always look forward to it. It's great. And this year is a week of it. I mean, and there's not much else to look forward to at the moment. I had a trip to Vegas planned. I was going to be leaving in seven days, but no, it's been canceled because Vegas still isn't open. It's very frustrating. But the the Rogers Campground is open. Almost as good as Vegas. I don't know about that. (laughs) Well, at least at Rogers, I'm not likely to have a prostitute run out of the hotel room <laughs> saying that I didn't pay her $40 more. It's never happened to me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's totally, totally foreign concept. So ForkFest is decentralized, so no one can cancel it, and no one is in charge. It also means there's no ticket cost. Just reserve your camping site, RV site, or motel room with Rogers Campground for June the 29th until July the 5th. And we're better to celebrate Independence Day than around other freedom-loving activists in the Shire. You can just relax and go camping, or you can create whatever experience or event you'd like others to have. If you're planning an event for ForkFest, be sure to let others know in advance. You can connect with other ForkFesters via the unofficial Telegram chat or the ForkFest forum. Links to those are on the unofficial website, ForkFest.party. Again, that's ForkFest.party. And let's go to the phones. We've got Dave calling from Michigan. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, I know who that was. It was Captain Kiskas who was stiff that prostitute, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you know it was. Captain Kiskas, go give that hardworking girl the money back. Hey, a little thing about you, what is it? You got a, you got a, a pork and, and fork fest up there in New Hampshire? There is a Porcupine Freedom Festival, and there is a fork fest, which is a fork. Yeah, the only thing I can say about that gentleman is this. I'd rather be spoon than pork or fork. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Dave. I don't even know what he said. Stoned than porked or forked. He needs to uh, upgrade from his Obama phone. Yeah, that phone's yeah. really awful. Yeah, that that was painful to hear. Well, let's, but that's all right. It was. Uh, thanks, Dave, for the call. 
Let's keep going. We've got Scott calling from Montana. Scott, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, I just calling as a follow-up to your last caller that was talking about uh, 22 ammunition shortage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, I'm, I'm not – I don't know all the details on the 22 caliber. Um, I would speculate it was a large increase in demand, and there's very few manufacturers that manufacture rimfire. Um, so there's not a lot of supply elasticity. Okay. When it comes to other ammunition, though, like AR-15 and that, under Obama, via an executive order, he signed an order that eliminated, well, let me start from the beginning. The majority of remanufactured ammunition was remanufactured from spent military brass. Okay, makes sense. And, and like in my AR, I don't buy new ammunition if I'm just out shooting because it's expensive. Right. It is so expensive. I always, buy re, I always buy remanufactured. And under Obama, he ordered the military to destroy all of their spent brass and sell it as scrap brass and no longer sell it into the reloading manufacturing. So prices went through the roof because the remanufacturers no longer, they had to buy new brass. So essentially it's new ammunition. They could no longer source spent brass from the military. That's that's frustrating. Uh, it, did Trump undo this uh, little uh, bit of uh, executive wizardry, or does you is, know? I don't know. Okay. I mean, making ammunition isn't easy. But I, one of the people that I um, hung out with a lot who suffered from the twenty-two ammunition shortage, he preferred making his own rounds mm-hmm. out of like spent cartridges well, and stuff like that. So I, I can, and yeah. it was significantly we, we have, cheaper. We have re- we we have four or five remanufacturers, major ones here in the United or here in Montana, and some of them can crank out thirty, forty thousand rounds a day, and they actually have contracts with the military, and they make new new ammunition as well as remanufacture, but they lost the source of all their spent brass, other than the private market. Right. Well, that's unfortunate to hear. I can't say that I'm terribly surprised that uh, Barack Obama would have done something like that, or that. Donald Trump wouldn't have undone it. I mean, he's certainly no friend of the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms or, you know, the right to be able to shoot an AR-15 at your leisure. So, Scott, thank you so much for the call. Evidently, however, we're being told that the what we've what are we being told now is is the best question. But we initially were told that the coronavirus, COVID-19, SARS, COVID-2 or whatever the hell they're calling it. Could live for up to three weeks on surfaces. Is that what they said? Oh, God. The numbers have been all over the place. Either it can't handle sunlight at all, it's a really weak virus, or it's some kind of Franken thing that flies through the walls. And now they're saying, oh, well, we evidently, we we didn't know what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Here uh, it was reported today uh the centers for disease control and prevention now says the novel virus quote does not spread easily from touching surfaces or objects but experts warn that doesn't mean it's no longer necessary to take practical and realistic precautions in stopping the spread of covid19 right you know practical and realistic things like shutting down the entire economy for a virus that has like what like less than a two percent mortality rate for normal people though it's not exactly clear when the federal health agency appears to have recently changed its guidelines from early March that simply said it may be possible to spread the virus from contaminated surfaces. The CDC now includes surfaces or objects under a section that details ways in which the coronavirus does not readily transmit. 
Other ways in which the virus is not easily spread is from animals to people or from people to animals, the federal agency said on its updated page. They I mean, which makes sense. Not not very many of the germs that can affect me can affect my cats. Not right. many. It's not impossible, but we are a different species. Uh, yeah, it continues to, to uh, supposedly to say cats that. can get corona. Just doesn't and affect tigers, them very much. Yeah. Big cats too. Well, that oh, seems to be the case with humans as well. What's that? That seems to be the case with humans as well. They can get it; it just doesn't affect them very much. Well, some of them die from it. Well, I'm sure some cats die from it. Maybe I don't know. Cats are dying all the time. We if got you, lots of extras of them. If you put a cat on a ventilator, I'm sure it uh, that'll increase its chances of death. I wonder or, if there know. even is a cat ventilator. Probably I some, have no doubt there is. There's probably some rich, crazy <laughs> cat lady who could afford it. Uh, uh, but yeah, they say it's still the number one worst way to spread it, or the way it's spread mainly is person to person. So that's why we have social distancing. Okay, but the I imagine the practical measures they were talking about were things like wiping down counters and yeah. doors and stuff like that religiously as many of these essential businesses are being required to do. It, it's a bit obnoxious, and it's kind of insulting when you leave a place to immediately have them run behind you like you're a play carrier and wipe down every surface with Lysol. Well, if they're doing it to everybody, it's not so bad. But um, it, it certainly can take longer at the Price Chopper, which is one of the local grocery stores. They are wiping everything down, including the belt uh, for the groceries for everybody who goes through. And this is presumably because... And you got to wait there while they do it. You yeah. could have the COVID-19 virus on your hands, which you spread to the milk carton, and it could then make its way onto the conveyor belt. That's the presumption. Sir. This doesn't sound practical at all. It sounds more and more insane the more I think about it. Uh, I, I think we... I think we're going to need to take... You know, there's going to be new practices in the world, and they need to be practical, whatever they are. There will only be new practices if we allow them to be accepted as normal. But th- this I whole love thing- the masks. I'm, I've got my new, uh, you know, uh, charcoal filtered bike mask right there in the car, and it's so comfortable. This is for bikers in the city to filter out like, uh, you know, exhaust fumes and stuff. Uh-huh. Breathe right through it. You talk pretty well. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously not wearing it now. It would be somewhat muffled, but it's a heck of a lot better than people running around with the, your average piece of fabric fashioned across their face. I'm boycotting any place or requires wearing a mask so i'm loving it i like the idea of going out with a mask on i don't know i could be a bank robber. Right, well not all of us are uh, masochists or into that kind of stuff mark but you know if you're, <laughs> i could if be you a are, bank robber i don't know if i'm willing to say i'm boycotting them but i will just go elsewhere well, which yeah, i guess yeah. is technically a boycott i'm just not calling it that 855-450-3733 this is free talk live Talk Live, talk radio that you control. You can call in to talk about whatever is on your mind. That toll-free number is 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Aria. It's Vincent. And Mark. And I want to say thank you to Henry K., who is tonight's amplifier. That means he's a member of the AMP program that you can find at amp.freetalklive.com. It's a program that is used for people who like the show to donate money to the show that is used strictly to advertise, market, and promote Free Talk Live. Hits the name, amp.freetalklive.com. Henry K., we thank you so much for your contributions. We hope you enjoy the show, and we hope that you continue amplifying it. 
Being an amplifier does have a number of cool little perks like an amp-only Discord chat and amp-only call-in line at discord.freetalklive.com, as well as an amp-only Facebook group and some other cool little things like that. Again, check it out. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Well, let's go to the phones. We've got David calling from New Mexico. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Mark, you remember when I said you guys should buy yourself a county and then you could fix most of your problems? Yeah, I think you suggested that Free Talk Live uh, buy a county. Uh, I'm, I, I'm sure that there are some counties that are less costly than others, but I, I'm not thinking that we could afford a county. But go right ahead. Yeah, well, that was, uh, uh, I forget, figuratively stated, not literally, but you could literally control a county because, uh, like, there's counties around here that have only 2,000 people in them. I don't want to control 2,000 people, though. Well, you want to control your own life, right? Yeah. Okay, so if there's only 2,000 people to compete with, then you have a better chance of controlling your own life than if you're in a county with 200,000 people. But anyway, so moving on to this. I'm not going to compete with people over control of my life, though. Well, I'm willing to compete with people. Um, over control of my hey, Mark. life. Right, Mark. So um, this is at KOB.com, and uh, you can find it by, uh, it's, the title is Lee County Manager Says County Won't Enforce State's Public Health Order. And I'm just going to read it because it's very short and very succinct. succinct. It's uh, about as well written as anything gets. Uh, Lee David, County, can you New Mexico, Lee County. Me? This is a summary. This I, I said the word succinct. Do you know, you know what succinct means? Yes, I also know what I'm going to sit here and read this article means. Can you summarize it for me? <laughs> yeah, here it goes. I'll summarize it. Lee County Manager Mike Gallagher says... Bye, David. Thank you so much for the call. <laughs> I asked him for a summary. He didn't want... I'm not going to let him sit here reading out an article. Was he going to read well, the summary? No, he was going to read the article. Well, sometimes like the Daily Mail, it has like little bullet points, right? That, that's basically if, if you're lazy and don't want to read the full article, it just like the bullet points gives you everything you need to know. Sure. So, But I, yeah, he's obviously not reading from the Daily Mail. So, you're not the biggest fan of David, are you? I don't care for David one way or the other. All right. I'm just, he bores me more often than he entertains me, for what that's worth. So Trump, according to uh, the Michigan Attorney General, set, has- Loving a- County, Texas has 134 people in it. Wow. That's pretty spe- that's pretty low population. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't mind going- Give, Giving fu- up on the, on the crypto frontier already, Mark? Uh, no, I am not giving up on it. I'm just taking a look here. Um, I don't think that counties have the uh, power that states do. So yeah, you kind of counties to... aren't sovereign, right? All right. I, I do kind of think they should be. I think it'd be well, a very sure. interesting. I mean, the individual should be sovereign. Well, if you have a sheriff on your side, then you have much more. Um, you, you have much more power than you otherwise would. Agreed. I mean, like, you, you could have you know the deputy. I, obviously, you'd have to deal with state police. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say if you could get the sheriff on your side, then traditional, you stand a huge, if it's a, at an, an advantage. Tr- traditional powers of sheriffs uh, are really unmatched inside of a county. But, um, well, in, in would, some places, like here in New Hampshire, the sheriff is basically just a prisoner transport, right? The sheriff's department is, but the sheriff still has a lot of, having the keys to the jail, still has a lot of power. Okay, true. Yeah. Supposed to be the highest law enforcement officer in that county, including like the president. The sheriff has more power inside the county. But but a lot of sheriffs are just total sellouts or political appointees. Sure. So yeah, I mean, very few sheriffs in this country, I'd say like probably less than, less than a handful actually, 
you know, use their power for use their power or, you know, let alone use their power for good. What I would like to see is counties uh, being able to vote just like, you know, the referendum within the county. Hey, what state do we want to be a part of? Because if you could sort of pick if the county could just sort of pick up and move to another state, then you would see the states having to compete more for the counties and you know they already have these bodies that exist so why not do that sure but that doesn't do much for the county that's you know smack in the middle of arkansas that wants to be part of new mexico well new mexico may decide that they don't want them in which case that would be uh, the choice that new mexico could make but you know there are let take a look at michigan for instance it's a state that's split in half yeah. Um, the the distance between Alaska's farthest points is something like a good a good portion of the entire United States. So, you know, how many counties does Alaska have? I don't know. I bet they're gigantic there. Frankly, um, Texas has more than two hundred. I, I was surprised that New Hampshire only has like what twelve or is it seven? Well, but they're big. Thirteen. They're bigger okay. than a lot of other counties and other states. And New Hampshire is a small backwater state. I mean, it's about twice the size of Mississippi, I, I, I would guess. And Mississippi, the size of the state? Yeah. Oh, I bet, bet it's more. Uh, it's bet it's less than that. And Mississippi had like ninety-two counties, most of them substantially smaller than the ones here. So it's just, it seems like an unnecessary step to just erase the states entirely. I mean, instead of having the states compete, why not just get rid of the states? Why uh, let them have something to compete over? I would think that you're, you know, the the history's arc doesn't just change dramatically and this anarchist notion that somehow one day oh, we're gonna wake up and then the state's gonna be gone is really no not at all frankly boring <laughs> you, know? no, that, you don't that, believe in liberty in our lifetime ah! yeah, no, that, I, I don't is, that isn't at all how it happens i mean it no ha- it isn't <laughs> it, no i mean we're, it's going to be the time when human beings are colonizing other planets and things like that that some of these libertarian types set up on their own plan to say we're, we're not going to have a state here that's how we'll see it yeah right? similar think- to what you would see today if there actually was an island somewhere in the world that was not already claimed by one state or another yeah there are places but the thing is is that people don't want to live where there um where there aren't amenities well like- they, they don't have to well i mean don't there are there would be if you want to if you want your own state i can tell you how to do it it's not that hard uh right now pitcairn island has 43 people on it now this place is remote it is one uh, one mile by two miles and it's mountainous meaning you can't put an airplane there also the waves crash into the island so only expert boaters can uh, you know, get on and off. People don't actually take boats to Pitcairn. They just park off. They just anchor off the side, and then the uh, the Pitcairnians, whatever they're called, uh, come uh-huh. out and meet them. In so their back own to my point boat. about every acre of land on this planet being claimed by one state or another, unless it's just completely undesirable, like Antarctica or Pitcairn Island or whatever it is. It has a huge pedophile problem too on Pitcairn Island. Well, I, I, I think- mean, uh, disproportionately <laughs> okay. huge. Because you, you know, you ever see the mutiny on the bounty? That was the island, right? And like the islanders are the, the descendants. Island. I don't know of what he's talking na- about. What is mutiny on the, bounti- Ver- on the bounty? Was, uh, there was a ship called the HMS Bounty that had a mutiny, and they made a movie with um, uh, Anthony Hopkins with it. And, I never saw um, the movie, but I did read the book. Yeah, so I mean, it was a true true story where uh, sailors they mutinied, and then they because they wanted 
wanted to stay in some tropical paradise, and they, they this, picked being this a sailor in the English Navy sucked. <laughs> oh yeah, so a lot of them were slaves too. They'd be pressed into service, so yeah. they mutinied against the captain. Then they uh, took the took the boat and lived on this remote island, which was called end up being called Pitcairn Island. And a lot of the islanders today are descendants of the mutineers and the natives. And there's uh, yeah, there's there's problems with pedophilia on the island. Well, the now, issue how many was, people did you say live on this island? Currently, it's 43, I believe. So 43 people have managed to get themselves that sort of reputation. They, they even have descendants? Yeah. So um, there, at one point, there were hundreds of people on the island, but most people go to like New Zealand for a real job. Um, I think the average income is something like $600 a year. Well, I would imagine so. There, there don't. Seem but they to have be English common resources. law. Yeah, they don't have much. No, they can yeah. little knickknacks that they carve, and they want people to buy them and stuff like that. Well, I mean, if it had resources, no matter how small it was, then a state throughout the world would have already claimed it, like they have the Marianas Islands, or Guam, or Puerto Rico, or the Marianas main resources uh, that they are very close to the the United States is one of their largest naval bases. The, the British Guam. claim Pitcairn Island. For those wondering, yeah, oh, they'd love claimed. to give it up though. See the British basically let you you vote on whether or not you want to stay within the uh, uh, under the crown. So they'd love to get rid of uh, that that particular welfare state. And Pitcairn continues to vote to stay under the crown. Well, yeah, they get free money. Why are you suggesting this as a libertarian Move paradise? Forty four libertarians there. <laughs> the mayor was caught with the mayor was caught with child porn. So I don't know. Maybe he believes in freedom. I don't think he was caught with child porn. Uh, I didn't see that in the conviction. He supposedly humped some younger girls when he was... All right, well, I have an article here, so you're wrong. Okay. Thanks for listening. If you like the show again, head on over to amp.freetalklive. Remember when you first heard about Bitcoin? How long did it take you to realize this little project would soon change the world? Do you kind of wish you had gotten involved sooner? Well, now's your chance to be part of the next revolution in money. Intercoin is working to finally make crypto go mainstream. It's designed to be scalable enough to support everyday payments and even elections without the state. Bitcoin was originally supposed to be a peer-to-peer cash system, the way we would all pay one another without having to trust any third party. But instead, over time, it mostly became a store of value. That's because every 10 minutes, the Bitcoin network must put all transactions into a block. And that block can only hold so much. If crypto is to become mainstream, for everyone to use it in everyday payments, we need a new architecture, one that's as secure as Bitcoin while being far more scalable. Check out intercoin.org to find out more and maybe pick up some of those coins for yourself. Oh, so you're wearing a mask every day now? Where are you getting them? The same website where I get my neck and body wraps, sunnybay.com. And they're handmade. Really? Just like they're wraps in the USA. Oh, and good quality? Oh, very good. These are disposable face masks. And good price? That's the best part. I get a 10-pack for only $6. Wow. Yes, as a public service, we're now sourcing disposable face masks with level one protection at sunnybay.com. Get a 10-pack of high-quality, more breathable face masks, only $6. Our face masks are hypoallergenic, latex-free, and made for stress-free all-day wearing. Or choose our N95 respirator masks, two-pack for only $6. Supplies are limited, so place your order at sunny-bay.com, a Biomed DB design company right here in the USA. Go to sunny-bay.com and purchase your disposable face masks online. Ten masks for only $6. Just click sunny-bay.com. That's sunny-bay.com.